Welcome to the Talking Tenancies podcast, brought to you by the Residential Tenancies Authority. I'm your host, Belinda Hyde. Join me as we explore everything you need to know about renting in Queensland with experts from the RTA and industry. We're here to help make renting work for everyone. The Residential Tenancies and Roomie Accommodation Act 2008, otherwise known as the Act, contains the rules covering rooming accommodation such as boarding houses, hostels and off-campus student accommodation in Queensland. Today's expert from the RTA is Lynn Smith. Welcome, Lynn. Thanks, Belinda. Now, can you tell us about your role at the RTA and what you're responsible for? Sure. So my role is a senior community education officer with the RTA and so I'm involved with raising awareness of the RTA services and educating tenants, landlords and agents of their rights and obligations under Queensland's tenancy laws. Um, as part of the education team, we do this through various channels such as um, webinars, presentations and events and also working with our stakeholders. Brilliant. Uh, And I I love working with you, Lynn. And um, today we're talking about rooming accommodation. So what is classed as rooming accommodation under the Act? Belinda, there's a few different types of rooming accommodation um, that's defined under Queensland's tenancy laws. The most common types are the off-campus or your purpose-built student accommodation. Um, You also do have boarding houses and also supported accommodation. So with your supported accommodation, that's usually accommodation where there's a higher level of care and support for people with particular needs. And that also may include that they might have like food or personal care services involved. Um, On occasion, you might see like employee provided room only accommodation. And that's sometimes very common on the um, like mining sites. And also to long-term residences in hotels can also be covered. Uh, finally, another type of rooming accommodation is where there's four more rooms in a property that's rented out as rooming, own, rooming only accommodation. And the landlord or the property owner also lives there on the property as well. But I can also just clarify too, if we look at what's not covered under the Act. So that's the on-campus rooming accommodation. So that's the things like a university or school colleges. They're exempt from the Act. However, if a bond's paid, must be lodged with the RTA. And you also have aged care, retirement villages and private hospital accommodation and backpackers. They're not governed with our legislation and have their own. And um, yeah, that's usually the difference. Um, So how do the rules differ from a general tenancy? So for example, you know, house rules in addition to the, um, the actual agreement and the use of common areas and things like that, you know, special terms, how do they differ? Linda, most people are really familiar with your general tenancies and they cover the majority of tenancies like your houses, your units, your townhouses and green flats and even we have houseboats. However, with roomy accommodation, this is where a tenant rents a room only in a larger property. So generally speaking, the roomy accommodation tenant is known as a resident and they have shared facilities such as like your kitchens and bathrooms. Residents in rooming are responsible for their own room And again, differs from a general tenancy agreement where you might have co-tenants where all the tenants are jointly responsible for the property uh, and they need to maintain the entire property. 
And a significant difference is that roomy accommodation also has house rules. And these are rules that's about the use, the enjoyment and the management of the roomy accommodation property. So, Belinda, I just want to spend a bit of time just to clarify a little bit more around the house rules as they are a legal requirement and they are going to form part of the roomy agreement that residents do sign. So just to clarify the difference between house rules in rooming compared to your general tenancies. So when you share with a flatmate in a house or a unit, you could have like those informal house rules, which are more likely to cover those weekly household tasks like cleaning and who takes the rubbish out. The rooming house rules, as I said earlier, are a little bit more like a legal requirement. So there are two types of house rules in rooming accommodation. We have what we call prescribed rules, and we also have rules that a provider or a manager can make about the premises. So prescribed rules are listed in the Act and apply to all rooming accommodation across Queensland. They're governed, um, well, these rules govern around the resident and the guest behaviour. They also make sure that um, they're not interfering with the reasonable peace and privacy of other residents. You can also have their um, topics around maintenance of the room, so meaning that the residents must ensure that they don't create a health or fire hazard um, or recklessly damage the room. Uh, there will also be rules around the common areas, and that will include things like a TV room or a living area, your bathroom, kitchen and outside areas. Um, and as a resident, you'll need to make sure that you or any of the guests leave those common areas in a clean and tidy condition after you use them. Keep in mind too that the provider of accommodation is responsible to make sure those common areas and facilities are safe, clean and are also in good repair. The other prescribed rules include access to the resident room. So again, we're looking at the provider or the manager can only enter in a way that's allowed under the Act. And for door locks and keys, as a resident, you cannot change those locks without the provider's permission. And finally, two pets, if you want a pet, it does require the provider's permission for that. So as well as these prescribed rules, the provider can also make their own house uh, their own house rules. And that applies to particular rooming accommodation that the provider runs. And they're going to be specific to that type of accommodation. So they can include things such as like no smoking or no alcohol on the property or stipulate that the common areas can only be used between certain times. So say like the kitchen might only be open between 6am and 10pm. There could be rules around noise or that guests may not be able to stay overnight. So you can find out more information on house rules by reading the RTA's house rules in room accommodation fact sheet we have on our website. Yeah, it's good to know um, all of those rules because, I mean, it can really make or break uh, someone's uh, living conditions in roomy accommodation, can't it? Now, um, how can you be a good rooming accommodation resident and what are some tips to be mindful of? I think one of the big things to remember, Belinda, here is that you are sharing the property in common areas with others. So it's really important to be respectful being a good neighbour as such, because you are in really close proximity of others. Every resident has a right to feel safe and comfortable in their home, so you need to be very mindful of your behaviour. Try to keep the volume down at night so that you don't disturb others. Um, keep the common area and the facilities tidy. Respect your other residents' right to privacy, so you know, you're know you not going to go barging into their rooms unless you're invited. 
Um, if there's a problem during your tenancy, so important that you do talk to your rooming accommodation provider as soon as it's possible, particularly if there's like a repair that needs to be made in your room or something's broken in the common area. Um, if you're having issues with another resident or they're not obeying the house rules. And also too, while your room is your own, just make sure that you're not doing anything there that could be having a negative impact on the other residents. And really, honestly, it's common sense stuff. So be courteous to everyone that's around you and kind of clean up after yourself. Yeah, just just be a tidy human, I think, is, is probably the easiest rule, isn't it? Now, um, in terms of timeframes for notices, um, they're generally shorter for rooming accommodation. Is that right? Yeah, that's right, Belinda. For example, the minimum notice period for a resident um, if they're leaving at the end of their tenancy is seven days for rooming compared to your 14 days for a general tenancy if you're in like a house or a unit. Another example of the shorter notice periods is that if you haven't paid rent for rooming accommodation, the provider or the um, manager can give you a notice to rent reach once you're two days behind in your payments. They'll then give you four days to rectify that breach by paying the rent. In contrast, again, to general tenancies where your landlord or your manager must wait until you're at least seven days behind and then you then have seven days to rectify that breach. So the timeframes also do vary too, depending on your length of stay. So if a resident does something wrong and it's been less than 28 days, then again, there's a, a shorter timeframe again. So you can find out more information about the timeframes for the nose periods on general tenancies and also rooming on our website. So what do you need to know before you sign an agreement for rooming accommodation? One of the main things to remember is that rooming accommodation agreements are a legal binding document and that's between the resident and the provider or their manager and it's going to set out the terms for that agreement. So it's really important that as a resident you understand the terms including any special terms before you sign it. Just make sure you're given a copy of the agreement as well, either that's on the day that you're signing it or before. Um, just make sure that you don't sign any agreement that you don't understand. And even if you don't sign, you still do have protection under Queensland's laws. Um, if you are a resident, there are things that you need to make sure that you do know. And that is, what's the length of the roomy agreement, um, the room accommodation agreement, and also what the rental amount is. So whether you're signing for a fixed term agreement, so that actually has a start date and an end date and for a fixed period of time, or it could be that you're on a periodic agreement. That usually has a start date, but there's no end date and can just continues until someone gives notice to end that agreement. Many people would liken this to the old ways of saying like a month to month or week to week type of agreement. Um, check that you can commit to stay for the full duration of your tenancy. So there could be financial penalties if you do end your agreement early without sufficient reason. And also to check if there's a bond to be paid. While it's not compulsory for your provider to ask for a bond, um, it would deem to be probably common practice that most people do. And if a bond is taken, it does need to be lodged with the RTA. Also, too, just make sure that you understand which room you'll be in and what shared facilities you'll have access to. Remember, not all the facilities may be open 24 hours a day. So, again, ask those good questions to your manager or your provider. 
and also to understand what's included in the rent. So in some situations, it's going to include your electricity and gas services and for your support accommodation, meals or other personal care services. And lastly, too, don't forget those important house rules that we talked about earlier. Make sure that you read them and actually understand um, what you're actually signing into that agreement for. Yeah, and like any agreement, it's um, really important that you read it and you understand it before signing it. Um, so make sure that you take your time to do that. <clears throat> Absolutely. And look, can I also just say, don't be afraid to ask the provider mm. to clarify any questions that you have. Yep. Now, uh, bond lodgement uh, for room accommodation agreements, does this work in the same way as a general tenancy? Uh, in a nutshell, yes, it does. So just like in general tenancies, the resident can choose to lodge their bond directly to the RTA and that can be done via the RTA's web services on our website or downloading and sending through a paper form to the RTA. Um, however, if you do have a Department of Housing bond loan, just keep in mind that that does need to be submitted by paper form. Um, alternatively, um, a resident can pay money directly to a provider and have that provider lodge the bond to the RTA on their behalf. Just make sure too, as a resident, any money that you do pay, um, whether it's rent or a bond, make sure that you do get a receipt. Um, and a resident can always contact the RTA, you know, after they've paid that bond, just to clarify whether or not um, the RTA has received it. The RTA will send out an acknowledgement of rental bond to the residents once we actually have received that bond. So you can call us to um, double check. So do entry and exit condition reports also apply for room accommodation? So if a bond has been taken, then the provider needs to complete, sign and give the resident an entry condition report. So this report is really important. It's going to outline the condition of the room, whether it's clean and whether there's any damage. Let's face it, you don't want to be responsible for someone else's damage. So the resident can go through the report and if there's something that they don't agree with, make the comments on the report. They need to sign it and give a copy back to the provider. We always do recommend to, it's a great idea, take photos as further evidence. So when it comes time for a resident to leave at the end of the, the agreement, they do need to return the room in the same condition it was in at the start, less fair wear and tear. So again, a great idea is to take some more photos at the end um, just to show what that evidence of that room was. Excellent. So if someone is served a breach notice during a, a rooming accommodation agreement, uh, what dispute resolution process is available if they feel that they did not breach the agreement? Right. So if the provider thinks there's been a breach of the agreement, they may issue the resident with a notice to remedy breach. Um, if they allege the breach of the agreement is serious enough, then they may also issue the resident with a notice to leave. If the resident does not believe they've breached the agreement, the first point of call is that they really should go and speak to the provider, discuss the alleged breach and see if they can come to a resolution. Um, Self-resolution is often the fastest and easiest way to resolve most tenancy disputes. Um, and look, we do encourage that as much as we possibly can. But if you do come to an agreement between, a res you know, between yourself and a provider, make sure that you do actually record it in writing. Also, too, if you can't get to an agreement or you still feel that, you know, there wasn't a breach, um, either party can actually also request access to the RTA's free dispute resolution service. 
And you can do uh, apply via the RTA's web services or through our paper dispute resolution form, which you can download from our website. However, before you do submit a request for the dispute resolution, just maybe call our contact centre to discuss your individual situation and be informed on what avenues that you can take. So for Belinda, for listeners, I think it's a really important note here too. If it is a serious breach, the provider can issue that notice to leave and end the agreement immediately and ask the resident to leave. So if the resident doesn't leave, the provider can remove them. This is a very different process um, and does not require a tribunal application, unlike it does in general tenancies. Okay. So I guess another theme here is that communication is is super important regardless of, you know, what kind of accommodation you're in. Um, Just communicate if you're having issues. Absolutely. Communication is key to resolving a lot of disputes that mm. happen, whether it's general tenancies or roomy accommodation. And also to making sure that if you're unable to talk to your provider or you don't feel that you have the skills to do that, um, you could also get a support person in to help you or potentially, again, contacting the RTA first to discuss your individual situation so we can actually help you um, and guide you with what your rights and responsibilities are. Exactly. Now, what resources are available for residents in rooming accommodation if they'd like to learn more about their rights and responsibilities? Uh, Sure, you can check out our RTA's rooming accommodation fact sheets and there's also plenty of information and other resources to help residents and providers of rooming accommodation on our website. And remember too, if you can't find the answer to your question, you can always call us in our contact centre. It's open Monday to Friday, 8.30am to 5pm. Awesome. Thanks, Lynn, for helping us to get a greater understanding on what we need to know when it comes to rooming accommodation in Queensland. You're welcome. Thanks, Belinda. Thank you for listening to the Talking Tenancies podcast. For more information about the Residential Tenancies Authority, visit rta.qld.gov.au.